Well, welcome to another episode of Breakaway from the Rat Race. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Michael Elefante. He is a real estate investor, content creator, and entrepreneur. He and his wife became financially free at the age of 27. Uh, so just one year after investing in short-term rentals. So it took them just two and a half years to basically achieve and scale to a six short-term rental that generates over 40 to 50 thousand dollars that's right thousand dollars forty to fifty thousand dollars cash flow per month so michael is an avid online educator he has a huge following on on tiktok and uh, social media and sells a variety of resources to help people jumpstart their journey to financial freedom he's the founder of airbnb investor academy which launched in april 2021 and already has generated $1 million in course and coaching sales in the first 16 months. That's pretty amazing track record. Michael, welcome to the show. Eric, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So this is great. I mean, you know, at, at the beginning, I'd, I'd like to kind of like get to uh, to know someone and uh, I can see that you have quite an amazing track record. Um, so let, let, let me, let's talk about kind of like how, why you, uh, why you got started on that uh, on that track? Why Airbnb and uh, kind of like how you grew that to uh, all these different tracks, right? You have kind of like your Airbnb, and then you end up, you know, doing uh, the academy and all that kind of stuff. So that, tell us a little bit more about your why you got started on that track and uh, kind of like how you grew that business. For sure, yeah. So I was an athlete all the way through college, like college baseball. So that was my what I woke up wanting to do every single day and practicing. That was what I was passionate about. Once that career came to a drastic halt at the end of college, I wasn't able to proceed to a professional career. Um, got into a tech sales job, just like a basic job, like a lot of people end up doing and was, you know, just trying to climb up the corporate ladder, make more money quickly realized what a lot of people who are your listeners are probably interested in is that's not going to get me to financial freedom. I needed to figure out ways to, it was really more about time freedom, actually. Trading time for money did not intrigue me, even if it was a million dollars a year. If I was working 80 to 100 hours a week, I don't want it. Um, so that's what initially got me fired up and down the rabbit hole of real estate investing, consumed a ton of books and YouTube videos, um, and really was about to pull the trigger on a first, you know, regular long-term rental, uh, whether it be a duplex or small multifamily, something like that. And I had just moved from Austin, Texas to Nashville, Tennessee, a very both hot tourism markets. And this is back at the end of 2018 and stayed in a couple Airbnbs and started just crunching numbers in my in my head on just like an Excel um, sheet. I was like, man, how much are we paying for these this place this tonight and tomorrow? What is the mortgage probably? Um, started to just do some number crunching. I was like, the return is crazy with short-term rentals if this is all right learned about AirDNA and all these other analytics and data that's out there to help me do analysis. Um, learned about all the software out there now that can help you run and automate your short-term rental business on your own. And I was like, oh, I don't even have to hire a PM if I didn't want to. Um, so that at that point in time, my wife and I were like all in. I even sold my truck that I just finished paying off to help furnish our first place. Oh, wow. Got our first place up and running at the end of 2019. Yeah. So all the bookings come in. And, you know, January, and February, a little slow in Nashville, but we were set to cash flow like $7,500 in March alone. Wow. And then COVID hit. And then we were like, oh, so a lot of cancellations. We're like, I, I don't know how long COVID is going to last or how bad it's going to be at the time. It was a big unknown. So we're like, we're still all in on this. 
We both liquidated our retirement accounts, not financial advice, but that's what we chose to do. Bought our second rental in Nashville. Both were a little slow in 2020. Saw a huge pivot to rural areas, mountain beaches, lakes. People still wanted to travel, but they didn't want to be in big cities around people. So saved up money from both of our corporate jobs, sales, and some of the cash flow in Nashville. Invested to a third property in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, which just took off. And then at that point, travel came back to Nashville at the beginning of 2021. Bought a fourth property in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Also, we actually split with another investor on that one. Um, and at that point, we were financially free. Quit our corporate job, traveled in a camper van for a year, managing our properties from our phone. Hiked over 400 miles across the U.S. Super fun. Um, and then bought uh, two more properties in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, at the tail end of 2021 and early 2022. Um, it's just been a crazy ride. But when I do something, I'm usually just I go all in on it. But I saw the income potential from short-term rentals. And that's what excites me. Um, and then tra- translating to the social media aspect, uh, I really like the abundance mindset. The more that you share, typically you get more benefit from long-term. And I had learned so much through YouTube and these other avenues and following people that have been successful like yourself, Eric. So I was like, what if I could just regurgitate what I was learning, even if I wasn't providing a ton of value at first to people? That quickly grew, especially on short-form content like TikTok and Instagram. And I think people... It really resonated with them because I was going through it at the time and then reaching financial freedom, traveling, doing all these things, um, and then just being really transparent and open about the actual numbers of it. A lot of people show the lifestyle, but they don't show like, here's a down month. Here's how much we made. Here's how much the mortgage, the operating expenses, here much our cash flow is. So I've done like a cash flow report publicly month after month after month, and those videos do really well. Mm -hmm. And I think it's garnered a lot of trust with people. I was doing free calls with people, free coaching calls. And then a lot of people were like, if you built something like a course, like an e-course or a book, like I would take it, I would buy it. And I was like, never thought of myself as what, like a creator like that. Finally did it. And like the abundance mindset kind of just came full circle for me. Cause then I just saw like things really take off. So not just the real estate income, but then the course and consulting income and like networking with awesome people and just the opportunities that have come from that have just been incredible. So it's been a wild couple of years. So yeah. long with the answer, but um, oh, I mean, that's, that's today. Yeah, I mean, this is a great, definitely a great journey. And then, uh, so what are some of the, what would you think some of the errors that you made? Maybe it's not errors, maybe it's kind of things that uh, you learned the hard way, maybe, uh, as you were kind of like, you did your first property. Obviously, you were hit by this pandemic. Uh, and that's, and the, I know that, uh, you know, the Airbnb business has been like seriously impacted by the, the pandemic. So how did you, and that didn't stop you for it. That just, you kept accumulating, you kept adding another property uh, and another uh, during that time. So that's, uh, that's pretty impressive. But what are some of these, uh, the lessons learned you would think, um, you know, for people that are started to know that, you know, it's not as easy as that. You had a lot of, you had to figure things out. You had to solve some problems to, to get there. Now, you make it look so easy and sound so easy, but any kind of thing, lessons learned like that, that, that you learned the hard way that, you know, that you're coaching your, your, uh, your followers that, uh, hey, you know, you make sure that you do this, this, this uh, in order to avoid some headaches. Yeah, I think some things that I stumbled into that helped me by accident was not necessarily creating a niche within a market, but understanding what people are looking for and what they're willing to pay more for per night. Yeah. Um, in, a, in a market like Nashville, for example, we actually put a mural on a living room wall, which was an interactive mural and coined it Butterfly BNB. There's big butterfly wings. So we were catering to bachelorettes who were willing to pay for that one photo op with the wings on their back and they're all white outfit or maybe with their group. 
Oh, really? I want to take that photo and post it on Instagram. The reason we came up with that is because there's murals all around Nashville and a lot of cities now that are interactive. And I would see people in the likes of hundreds waiting to take that one photo. They would waste a whole Saturday doing that because that was important to them. Like, what if we could bring that inside? So what I learned later on is leveraging data and like analytics and tools like AirDNA. And there's some other ones out there, but that's the main one I use. And you could go on the top property section and I could not only see, this is how I found our place in Fort Lauderdale. I'd never been to Fort Lauderdale. I went under contract uh, from, you know, in a camper van across the country. I was noticing what pockets that the dots were popping up on. So I was like, clearly there's, you know, there's always good and bad pockets in a city, but there were specific areas or zones in Fort Lauderdale that the top properties were in. So I was like, all right, I'm going to look for properties within a mile or two of this specific pocket. Not only that, but what amenities did they have? I started looking at their listings. What did I have? What did they have in common? Did they all had a water feature. They all had a nice outdoor spaces, grilling areas, um, stuff like that. So leveraging data is something I actually did not do early on, but stumbled into it with that first property. I was like, how can I replicate this? That's when I learned more about your DNA. Yeah. One thing that I did not do early on lesson learned was leverage software to help automate the business, especially if you want to self-manage or manage for other people, like I've done with the property management company, leverage tools like Guesty for Host. There's other property management softwares out there. That's the one I've used or Guesty for Pros for our PM business, um, Price Labs or Wheelhouse to automate the pricing and then look at market data. It builds comp sets for you to make sure your pricing is right. You don't want to leave money on the table during busy nights mm -hmm. or you know, want to be charging too much and surpass bookings that you would have gotten if you lowered it by $100 a night. So leveraging tools to help automate and then like softwares for cleaning, scheduling cleaners, anything that can take time off my plate without having to me at first pay for a PM, which can be expensive, 20 to 35% of your gross revenue or accommodation fee. If I can do it on my own and automate 90% of it, then you know, I recommend that for everyone first starting out. Even if you want to hire a PM, it's good to learn, but like software tools are like invaluable to use. Yeah, so really focusing on the processes, even at the beginning, you, you may not feel like you really need it, but it's kind of like start thinking that way. Um, so that's good. good. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the, the issues, I think, if, for people that are interested in Airbnb is that you're really a mini hotel. You have all the problems of the hotels all at once. And, <laughs> The tools, there are not, but there are more tools now, but there are, you know, you have to get the tools of a hotel in order to manage it right. Like how do you price your your room or your uh, your accommodation in July versus August, September and stuff like that. And maybe one weekend because there's a special event, maybe it's, it's higher than another weekend. So there's a lot of decisions that need to be made. And it sounds like there are a lot of tools out there, like you mentioned, Price Labs, AirDNA, to help you kind of make these decisions and, you know, and so to make, make maximize basically your return on investment, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Definitely leverage data, leverage resources, learn from other people, mm -hmm. anything you can to help make more informed decisions. And um, like you said, if you can avoid mistakes that you probably would have made early on just by leveraging either someone else or someone else's experience or information or data out there, I highly recommend doing it because the amount of money you spend, if any at all, on these resources, I mean, it's going to pay high dividends long-term in the business as you grow and scale. What about the, uh, this is also, you know, at being a hotel, a small hotel, basically, uh, you have to, the guest experience is one thing, the guest services. Um, so how do you manage like any kind of questions that a guest might have about, hey, I want to can you help me with the uh, dinner reservation or where should I go for dinner? 
um, you know, or events or something like that. But how do you handle these kind um, of things? Yeah, I mean, you can offer like concierge services essentially. Um, but honestly, a lot of people that book on Airbnb and Verbo, unless it's a high-end luxury property, just want a hands-off experience, like contact us, check in, just want to get a code to check in. But some things that we offer is a, a personalized guest book. So that could be in-person and paper, or we use hostfully digital guidebooks, which are excellent because they're kind of canned, uh, browser-based, really useful to use. And you could even put in personal recommendations, for example, in Fort Lauderdale, like top restaurants, top things to do, attractions. It's also another great way to make money because they have a hook with Viator, which is like a travel agency mm -hmm. site, essentially. So I can get an affiliate link with Viator through Hostfully and actually recommend awesome tours or things to do around town in that specific market. And I get an 8% commission on anything the guest books and it doesn't cost the guests anything extra, right? So there's different things that you can do and add in there that are helpful. And not only are you gonna improve guest experience, but you're gonna actually eliminate how much the guest feels the need to contact or communicate with you during their stay. Some guests like a high level touch, and but most people I've found, if you provide them everything that they need and resources to help them with their stay, they, they don't reach out to you much, which is great for you if you're self-managing. So uh, as, as a couple, like uh, I'm assuming that your wife is also pretty in, involved in, the, in this business also. Uh, the... Um, so what do you think makes it makes it your uh, the, the strengths or the, the strengths that you have that really made this a success? I would say understanding what amenities and design you need to do in your property. Interior design is, is really actually critical. Okay. Um, a lot of people make the mistake of setting up a bare bones property with basic bed, no like colors or no thought of colors or design or accents or light fixtures. Um, what amenities to put in the backyard in a game room or something like that. So they set up bare bones thinking, oh, it's great. You'll probably still make money. But if you want to make five, 10,000 a month in cash flow on a, a pretty average property, you have to think about the design and amenities and getting the photos to pop. I view Airbnb no different than social media. I mean, how, how do people click on your Instagram reels, right? Or your TikTok videos, YouTube, they need to see a good thumbnail. They need to see a good hook, a good caption. If you're scrolling through TikTok, you have two seconds to capture my attention or you're on to the next one. That's just how we've been changed as humans over the course of time. Our attention spans have shrunk. So what I need to see is a really attractive photo. I have one title to read in order to click on that. And I get to a splash page and that splash page has five photos and a little description. Those five photos should be the top five photos of your property. A lot of people just put like the first four photos of like the front entrance of the property. That shows me nothing about the property, yeah. right? So I need them to click on see all photos and then be bought in and then to be staged well, the lighting's right, editing's good. Um, it's an emotional decision for a lot of people to book a family vacation. Yeah, yeah, They're yeah. spending a lot of money on one of our properties. I want them to be like, see themselves there having a great time. And that's what's going to get someone to book your place versus the thousand, thousand properties up the street. Um, so that we focus a lot on that. And then pricing is crucial too. Yeah. Um, just having a good pricing strategy. Yeah, and I think the uh, for me, like I know when I go to uh, Airbnb, uh, like looking through, I think I agree with you. I think you have to have a picture that really is like enticing and stuff like that. And yeah, the the front door is not uh, is not that interesting. If it has a view, I think that's pretty interesting. I'd like to see what the kitchen looks like, and like to see what the bathroom looks like, and where I'm gonna sleep. So I I just need four yeah 
uh, and maybe the living room if it's something interesting. But yeah, so as long as you have these four pictures covered, then you can go into uh, the details. For sure. Do you think that your social media experience, like I, we mentioned earlier, I mean, you have a huge following, all, close to a million a million people in, uh, in TikTok. Um, do you think that your experience, your social media experience has helped you be successful in Airbnb? I think so. Yeah, I think it, it kind of holds me accountable to stay on top of trends and what's happening in the short-term rental space. Um, just because my content is crucial to all my other lines of business, if you will, or income streams. Um, and also just doing coaching calls. Like I had two coaching calls today, um, which people can book an hour on Zoom with me, um, or I do group consulting, stuff like that. So I need to stay on top of what's happening in the industry and make sure I'm sharp there. So that helps me be better as a better operator, a better investor. Um, the other thing it helps me do is like, I do a lot of videos, like how much could you make on Airbnb and XYZ market? So a lot of people like those videos because they're, you know, then they're comment like, do my market, do my market. So one, it's good for video traction. And two, and I'm like, okay, cool. I learned about 50 new markets this week because I just was toying around in AirDNA. And that may help me make a bit more informed investment decision on my next one when I'm ready to deploy some money. Yeah, exactly. And I just saw one, uh, one of your podcasts that you were going through every one of your six properties and how much you made in July. Uh, hundred thousand dollars in july uh, of this year with your six only six properties so that's uh, that's pretty amazing and that's cash flow i'm not talking about that, that. was revenue cash flow i think we were cash flow we were in the 40s um, okay uh, yeah. but yeah the revenue wise has been pretty crazy we've been averaging you know about 80 grand a month now with the six um which is which is great our profit margins are, are great they're 40 yeah. to 45 percent before they were about 50 percent before we refied several and pulled some cash out to make more investments yeah on the first four that we bought mm -hmm. so the margins went down a little bit yeah so that that's great for me also like when i'm looking at these airbnb i had some bad experiences on airbnbs i'll be honest uh the uh and sometimes it has to do with they look good on on the photos but then when you go in there it's like it's all it's all staged furniture you know it's like you know, when you go on a stage home and it's just like, it's not furniture that are meant, like it's not a chair that's meant to be, uh, to sit on. It's, <laughs> it's good, but you don't want to sit on it. And the couch is like, it's not a good couch and the beds are crap. And then the kitchen is not, you know, doesn't work. So I, I like, I, I don't need like extra comfort. I just need the comfort of home in, sure. uh, in, in those things. And so how do you, when you look at these, um, that these listing, Airbnb listing, how do you uh, um, uh, communicate that to a potential uh, client, and how do, do you use that to differentiate yourself with uh, with other uh, other people out there? Yeah, so we try not to use like the same run in the mill baseline furniture, like Amazon Basics type package for a lot of our places, especially if it's a higher end place. We're going to charge more. Like our for a lot of our places, we had different bed frames. We use the same mattress type in all of our places because they're very comfortable. Um, they're actually not that expensive. And we get comments all the time about where can I buy this mattress? I slept great at your place. So little things like that, but we definitely want to buy quality furniture on things that get heavy use, like couches, dining tables, chairs, some of the outdoor furniture and the beds. Mm -hmm. um, one, we don't want bad reviews from guests because reviews are king. I mean, even think about a restaurant. If I'm looking at two restaurants in Fort Lauderdale, there's thousands of them out there. And one has, you know, thousands of five-star reviews and it's like a 4.8. And then I look at one that has maybe a couple hundred reviews and it's a four. 
I'm in subconsciously, I wrote off that one already. Yeah. It might be a great restaurant. There might just be one bad review in there, but as a consumer, yeah. same thing with Airbnb. So by having quality stuff, it's going to help achieve higher rates of positive reviews, which one is going to help you rank higher in Airbnb search, get more impressions, clicks, conversions. But, um, you know, guest experience is really important. I think if you provide a great guest experience and they see and get or get what they see, rather, um, it's just all going to come back and help you. Yeah. Um, more so in the future. Yeah, so that's uh, that's great. I mean, the, uh, I was looking also. I was at the was at a webinar or some some seminar in uh, San Francisco Bay Area, and there was a bunch of people that were doing Airbnb. And there's a lot of restrictions in San Francisco and all of California if you want to do Airbnb there, uh, and the, the number of days that you can rent per year is I think it's limited. It was limited to, to three months unless you were uh, live in your house and you were renting one of the house the room uh, then you can rent year round and stuff like that and it was pretty interesting to see how people kind of missed the point about airbnb and they were kind of uh, they didn't realize that they were in the service industry yeah they were there to service client and then they were kind of like uh, and some of them got like bad reviews from uh, from customers, and then mm-hmm. they, this thing dropped, and then they they couldn't they had a hard time finding uh, people to rent their space and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Staying on top of it is very is very uh, important. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's really important to rank, like r- ranking higher in Airbnb search and understanding what goes into the algorithm, or at least at a base level, yeah. is crucial. And Airbnb is open about. I think most of what goes into the algorithm, they have like a support article out there that tells you exactly the different criteria, how much it affects the listing. But yeah. Um, if you, yeah, positive reviews are huge on there for sure. How do you navigate kind of like the legal requirements? I, I don't know how big, I mean, you're, you're big in Tennessee. You have like a, two in Nashville, I think two in uh, Gatlinburg uh, and then uh, I mean, and, yeah, and two in Fort Lauderdale. But the one in t- Tennessee, how's the, the legal uh, requirements around there? I know in San Francisco and California, it was just, and it kept changing. It was just like, you can stay on top of that. Right. Um, so how is it in Tennessee? How is it in Florida? And how do you pick a market? How do you know if your market is a good market or a bad market? Yeah, well, I mean, establishing if a good market, a decent market, it's a decent market, AirDNA is very helpful. You can look at historical data there. Um, but as far as regulation is concerned, that is the one of the trickiest things to evaluate for a local a market that's new to you. Yeah. Um, Tennessee's pretty lax on it. Each it's really dependent on the city or county, though. Every city could be very different. Um, but Nashville, for example, they've gotten tighter on their rules, which kind of presents an opportunity. Um, it's mostly around zoning, which is a lot what a lot of cities are going to like trying to eliminate either the quantity or just altogether any new permits that they issue for like purely residential areas. They're trying to make them be more in commercially or like multifamily mixed use areas. Um, So that's the most difficult part. And then the other things is just applying for the permit and following the basic rules about like safety for guests. You might have a fire marshal inspection or something like that. Um, But places like Nashville and Gatlinburg, like that brings in, like, I want to go out on a limb and say over 90% of the state's tax revenue is just from tourism, especially oh. at Broadway and Nashville and Gatlinburg is huge. I mean, each remark, each of those markets, the Smokies in Nashville, each get 15 plus million visitors per year. Wow. So it is busy. Yeah. Um, Fort Lauderdale is a little different. They're a little bit more lax right now. They'll probably change, but for the most part, as long as your HOA or the covenants allow it, then you're pretty much good to go as long as you abide by what's in the city, you know, permit requirements, then an inspector has to come out. And then some different things, if you have a pool, 
just for safety for children yeah. and things of that nature. But yeah, you're right. Understanding in a market, how quickly do things change? And do you think that there's an opportunity for the city to potentially outright ban it? Most of them will grandfather in existing permits, but I try to avoid places that are not very friendly with investors just because I'd rather not deal with the headache. Yeah, they kind of tell, they kind of have a hint. They kind of yeah. hint at it. Like San Francisco, you probably don't want to go. go yeah, yeah, I probably wouldn't get a rental there. Although if you get a short term rental, you probably be decent. I think so. Yeah. In general. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, so you mentioned a little bit about condos. So any issues with condos, anything you can do to make sure that, because I, I'm assuming that the condo corporation could decide to say, hey, you know what, we're going to ban or we're going to make it extremely difficult for you to, uh, you know, to, to lease, to do a Airbnb in the building. Yeah. Yeah. Understanding if the COA allows it currently, and then also getting uh, information from your realtor and hopefully from the, whoever, maybe the board of the COA, um, condominiums owners association, for those that don't know what that is kind of like HOA, um, how, what number or percentage of the units in there are investment properties. So they're renting out because the one condo I have is in downtown Nashville. I want to say like, I don't I have to don't know for sure, but it's well over 50% of the units are short-term rentals specifically or long-term rentals. So to be voted off, if they went to a vote, then I think we're a little safe. And then there's people on the board that have short-term rentals in that same development. So understanding the current landscape is important. You don't want to necessarily be the first or the third condo in a unit of 500 where it's all permanent residents. Because as soon as one person has a bad taste in their mouth and they bring it up to the board, yeah. it's not hard for them to get everyone else on their side, you know? Yeah. So that's a very good, that's an excellent question. You have to ask them and say, how many people, because you know that they're going to go on the board if you 60% of the people are short-term rental owners and they're going to go to the board and then they're going to vote whatever kind of like thing they want to pass to prevent mm -hmm. you from renting. So that's a, that's an excellent advice. I really like that. Uh, in terms of location, um, and, you know, if you look at a, a city, so you have kind of like downtown, different areas in the city, you have a little bit on, more in the suburb. Obviously, the house, uh, any kind of unit that you're going to find um, in closer to the core is going to be more expensive, a little bit further away, it's going to be cheaper. But where is the um, where's the best return in general? Is there some kind of rule of thumb about kind of like, okay, well, you want to be here because that you want to pay a little bit extra to be there so that's going to maximize your return how do you find that yeah so i like to evaluate multiple properties and i just basically stack up the investment analysis and for the most part i'm just looking at cash on cash return to help distinguish this is a better opportunity from this one but obviously each person knows what their budget is you know some people are starting with less um but it doesn't mean spend the same amount of money to get a bigger place 10 minutes outside of town versus getting a smaller place walkable to downtown. Um, our two-bedroom condo in Nashville, you can, it's a half a mile walk to Broadway, which is the main street with all the restaurants, bars, and music, is going to bring in about $150,000 in revenue this year. And our four-bedroom with the rooftop patio, the butterfly wing, sleeps you know four more people, that's a 10-minute Uber or taxi to downtown, is going to bring in about the same money. Oh, wow. Um, and at the time, the downtown place was actually cheaper, and it still might be cheaper if I were to list it for sale than the other one. But it just goes to show how important location is to people. Because yeah. as a traveler, if you're like, if you're going to the beach, right, I'm going to spend less time and money worrying about commuting to the beach if I can walk to it or if I have a golf cart to go to it. So I'm willing to pay more for the convenience of being closer. And also, there's less 
supply available at the core of any vacation destination, right? Because there's only so much you can build on whatever plot of land there is, or if it's beachfront, for example, or lakefront. So location is really important, but you don't want to overpay and have bad return on a place close to town when you could just go a couple miles outside of town, much cheaper and still achieve good, good nightly rates. So it really just comes down to the core of the investment analysis and what you think the cash on cash return is going to be, is what I would focus so it's on. Not like, it's not like your recommendation is really take a sample of, uh, hey, I want to be close to the beach. What if I'm a little bit further from the beach, if I'm more downtown or even further and kind of like just stack them up and look at what the returns would be. Yeah. You use yeah. AirDNA for that or? Uh... AirDNA is a great starting place, but just remember it's broad market information and data. Because uh, if you go look at the, the 90th percentile of two bedroom properties in downtown Nashville, the highest that the it's been on any given month was like $11,000 revenue for a two bedroom. Yeah. And we're averaging like 12,000 a month with our two bedroom. Awesome. So I say that and our, it's ours is not nothing special. We should have a good pricing strategy, manage it well. But I say that as in take it with a grain of salt because that's broad market data. Mm. You're going to want to find two to three direct comps close yeah. to you with the same amenities, similar design, same number of people you accommodate, all that stuff. And then just pick apart their calendar. It's kind of tedious, but that's what's going to help you distinguish a great investment from a mediocre one. Because that'll help you be like, what are they charging? Are they getting booked out? What are they getting on the weekends? Yeah. What are they getting weekday? And that'll help me really fine tune that forecast. Yeah. And I think that's what's preventing some people from getting into, into that space, into the Airbnb. I know that's that's one of the reasons that why I'm kind of not actively investing in that is because I'm not I'm not uncertain as to kind of like how what can I rent it for? And then, you know, and the whole market and the change in market. And then mm -hmm. I'm thinking that's gonna be a lot of management. So that's that's the other thing that I'm uh, kind of concerned about and finding a good property management company that's going to take care of all that because I, I like to i like passive income yeah so i don't want to have to bother with it i don't want to be actively involved and um so are you using uh you're managing your properties yourself or are you how are you kind of like delegating some of the tasks that you're doing do you have vas do you have uh, how do you work a lot of my friends or clients will leverage vas um, up until this point my wife and i have just had the time and flexible. We automate most of it. So we've actually managed ourselves, but probably this week or next, we're actually going to move it under my property management company, home team vacation rentals. So I trust my team because they use everything that I've built and teach and all the software properly and effectively. So yeah. um, I think that's what helps make us different from a lot of legacy PMs. And we self-managed for so long because I don't trust a lot of legacy PMs because I've bought properties that were on a management program and I've doubled the revenue overnight. Really? Wow. Um, and it's, it's crazy, but a lot of them, even some in the mountains are handing guest keys at an office. And we've lived in a day and age where I could change the code from my phone, I exactly. guess, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. They're not leveraging tech or software and they're not up to it. They're just, they've been in business, they're setting their ways. And a lot of them will have the same price every single day for the entire year. This is our nightly rate. And I'm oh. like, you are out of your mind because <laughs> you're missing out on thousands of dollars for busy days. And you're not getting booked because you're overpriced on not busy days. Uh, so, yeah. And it's as simple as onboarding one of those pricing tools, you know? Yeah. So a lot of the PMs don't do a good job, but I think that's what's helped our property management business grow so fast out of the gate is because we're, we're helping people drastically boost their revenue. Our services are basically for free at that point if we're boosting their revenue by 20 to 50%. Yeah. And if it pays for itself, I think that's a very good price. Yeah. <laughs> And you're, that property management company that you have is home home team vacation rental. Correct. 
Right. And then, so what's the percentage that you charge uh, to manage the property? We charge 20% of the accommodation fee. So okay. basically the nightly rate um, after Airbnb or Verbo's cut, if, if the bookings are on those platforms. Yeah. Okay. Well, so that's, that's pretty good. So I think yeah. Yeah, I had heard like 30, 35. Yes. That's another reason why it's attractive is a lot of legacy property managers, even upwards of 40 or 45%. Most of them are 20 to 35%. There are a few that are cheaper, 10%, 15%, but you kind of get what you pay for. You know, we need to make sure we cover our overhead and are profitable, but we do an excellent job and we're cheaper on the average scale, if you will. A lot of people do charge 25, 35%, which can really eat into your margins if they're not bringing in decent revenue for you. Well, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. So that sounds good. I also heard that, you know, it was very difficult to get a loan on, um, on these Airbnb properties. Can you uh, kind of like clarify that a little bit? Yeah. So I always recommend start with just conventional loans, whether it's a conventional investment loan or what's the beauty about short-term rentals is if you find a place that you have the intention to use from time to time for personal use, you can do a 10% down second home loan. As long as you qualify for it through your income, DTI, credit, and all that. Um, but your cash on cash return, even if you're using it several weekends throughout the year, is going to be through the roof just because you have more leverage. Um, but beyond that, eventually you're going to get tapped out on those loans or DTI, whatever it is. Um, you can use a DSCR loan, which is more of like a commercial style loan, debt service coverage ratio. And a lot of these new lenders are bubbling up or brokerages that will look at long-term rental comps. And if the debt service coverage is one-to-one, -one, meaning the revenue services the debt one-to-one -one, on a monthly basis, they'll lend you the money. Uh, okay. And a lot of them will actually make exceptions now and look at Rentalizer on AirDNA or comps, or if you're using a property manager, if they can provide a, a projection, if that services the debt one-to-one, -one, which is very easy for a short-term rental yeah. income to service that uh, DSCR. So they'll lend you the money. So I've shifted to that. I've done like four or five of those DSCR loans now. Um, a couple specific ones out there. The one brokerage has been great. Uh, David Green's lending team. David Green's the host of the Bigger Pockets podcast. Oh, I've worked David, with them. David Green. That's what I was wondering about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. His his group is great. I've spoken with his business partner Christian and the main loan officer. I've worked with theirs, Ricardo Carrillo. He's a rock star. He's been yeah. like the leading loan officer for the Bigger Pockets group, essentially. But they've been good. Um, and then some other ones I've had clients work with: Host Financial and Vizio Lending, the lender. Mm -hmm. Those three will specifically do DSCR for short-term rentals. Okay. Um, some of them have certain requirements. They're a little more expensive. They have prepaid penalties. But if you're holding the property for multiple years, which most people probably should be doing on uh, this type of investment, yeah, yeah. it's a great option. And they don't care about your income or DTI. They care about proof of funds. Uh, does the debt service coverage ratio meet their threshold? And they'll lend you the money for the most part. So it's been pretty wow. solid. That's very good. What's the percent? What's the loan to value ratio? They would. Uh, they would. They most of them want eighty percent. I've done a fifty. Uh, it's eighty-five percent LTV yeah. on one property, but I think, I think Ricky at the one brokerage told me that was the last one he did, and then they. That's pretty much unheard of now with the SCR loans with the current climate. But yeah, most want eighty percent. Okay. Wow. All right. So that's wow. This is a good lay of the land, I would say. Um, so if someone is interested in getting started, so I know you have Airbnb Investor Academy, we, we can definitely talk about that. But in, in general term, if someone is interested to get started, what do you recommend? What kind of do they have to have a special mindset, special skill set to uh, or attitude uh, to get get involved into that? That number one. And then what other skills do they need to get started? What should they uh, focus on? 
Yeah, I think anybody can get started in that. And one thing I didn't mention earlier, <clears throat> really cool thing about short-term rentals is you don't even have to buy the property to do mm -hmm. really well with Airbnb, right? You, you guys have probably heard short-term rental arbitrage or Airbnb arbitrage where you rent on a corporate lease and then re-rent out um, or co-host or manage for somebody else or partner with someone. So there's lots of unique ways to get started. Mm -hmm. um, but honestly, just consume a bunch of content. If you can find a mentor, like with anything, that's very helpful. Offer to work for them for free, learn the business, learn how to manage, learn how to analyze properties, and then just leverage resources out there free or paid. So it doesn't have to be Airbnb Investor Academy that I built. There's lots of good programs out there. There's other you know, online trainings or even AirDNA has their own you know, blog and, and online resources. That's a paid, obviously, per market, but leverage that stuff. It's going to help you make more money, I think, mm -hmm. over time and make more informed or data-driven um, investment decisions. Uh, any particular recommendations in terms of uh, market, in terms of size of the property or anything like that? Um, not so much the size, but what I would say is on AirDNA, you can use filters. So you can look at top properties by property size, number of bedrooms, number of people they accommodate, and just, just try and notice trends on, hey, there's a lot of two bedrooms here. You can even see the quantity of two bedrooms versus three versus four. Mm -hmm. And that can help you hone in on the specific type of property you want and what the true potential is. Um, that can be helpful. And market, there's really, I'll call it two different types of markets. There's like a short-term rental market, which is like more of an urban area, like Fort Lauderdale, where you're going to get vacation travel, but you might get business travel, the random things, um, competing more with like hotels, but for bigger groups. And then you have vacation destinations, true vacation rentals, beach, mountains, lakes, destinations. Yeah. Um, so those are the two different types of markets. You really have to understand what's the supply like in that market and what's the demand like in that market. So leverage as much info as you can on like tourism. Um, is, is the market getting saturated with supply, which will put a downward pressure on, on average daily rates and uh, make it a little more competitive? Or is it ripe to grow, you know, which some markets are and some markets aren't. So just pay attention to that info and leverage what you can. Yeah. And then you mentioned also like start already kind of building your processes, your systems and stuff like that. So what what are you using? Yeah. So obviously you're using Airbnb. You mentioned Price Lab. But what should uh, people get started first on the on uh, identifying a property and then on managing the property and the pricing after that? Yeah. Identifying the property. Always recommend leveraging a local team of real estate investor or real estate agent rather because I have two criteria. One's a must and two is a nice to have. The must is they must work either primarily with or work with a lot of investors, specifically short-term rental investors. Because investing in short-term rentals is very different from long-term rentals and it's extremely different than residential just real estate. So if they don't have experience selling short-term rentals, they may not understand why people are visiting that market, where they wanna stay, why they're willing to spend more in that specific location, what place is booming versus not. Um, it's not necessarily looking for like a good zip code with good schools and low crime and all that stuff. It could be very different. Um, and then the, the nice to have is if they own and operate their own short-term rentals too, especially in that given market. Um, the biggest takeaway from working with a local real estate agent who understands the STR landscape is the laws and regulations. Mm -hmm. Because if you're like, hey, Eric, here's my criteria for a property. I'm looking for a three-bedroom property in this zip code, and it must be on near this canal or on the water somewhere in Fort Lauderdale. Um, I just completely blanked on where I was going with this. But, oh, no, the laws and regulations. So 
I need you to feed me properties that are zoned for non-owner occupied permits, right? Fort Lauderdale and any city usually has owner occupied versus non-owner occupied. I want to make sure it's zoned correctly. So I don't have to waste my time analyzing a property, potentially going under contract and being like, oh my gosh, I can't even legally rent it. So leverage local teams and resources. So that way it takes time off your plate. I'm only going to evaluate properties that are zoned legally for it. Um, So that's very helpful. Okay. That sounds very good. And then, so after that, managing the property and making sure that you are, you're doing it at the right price and making sure that, uh, also things for guests, make sure that they, they're satisfied. How do you do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just understanding again, this kind of goes on the research on the forefront, what people need in that specific market, what amenities to provide. So make sure you furnish it correctly and make sure it's furnished like a house. I mean, you want to make sure all like the, everything they need to cook a meal, especially yeah. if it's for a bigger group. A lot of people like that. Like you said earlier, you want to look at the kitchen, see what that's like. Uh, Make sure those types of amenities are there. The last thing you want them to do is be frustrated because they don't have a pan to cook eggs in the next morning or something simple, right? Um, And then, yeah, leverage tools like Price Labs or property management software, which can automate your messaging, can push pricing out to and uh, manage guest communication all from one central uh, management software versus... Airbnb, then Verbo, then booking.com, direct bookings website. So you can manage it all from one place and it ties in all those different platforms. So those are the biggest things to help eliminate a lot of time wasted just by leveraging those, especially like you said, as you scale, you have the systems in place. You can just repurpose the same message templates, the same pricing strategy into the same market or new markets out there. Yeah, I'm big big on uh, the automation, definitely, especially some of these messages are the same. You don't want to have like having to send an email every time a new guest comes in to say, hey, you know, this is how you get in. This is what you do. And on checkout, this is what you need to do on checkout. You know, let me, you know, and, find, you know, uh, get feedback and all that kind of stuff. So that's, um, that's definitely something you want to automate. Uh, yeah, I mean, one time I rented an Airbnb, it was like a, what they call the fully furnished uh, kitchen. And it was like uh, plastic utensils. And then... Oh my God. The salt and pepper was like the salt and pepper packet, you know, it's just like, oh, wow. <laughs> oh my God. No, we, we say fully equipped kitchen and we, I mean, we go all out just because we've stayed in places like yourself and we're like, man, it feels like a, I don't know. I don't even know if like a child could get by in here with yeah, what's, exactly. what's in here. So yeah. Yeah, we want to make sure they everything got everything they need. Yeah. So that's that, you know, yeah. But I had also some great experiences. I mean, you, you get to stay in, uh, you know, amazing, amazing location that there are no hotels around. Like I, I stayed in, uh, in Rome, we were like very close to the uh, one of you know, the very center close to uh, all the action and stuff like that. There was no hotels around. And uh, so, you know, that was great to be there. And we were right in the middle of it. I mean, as soon as you got out of the door, you were in a cobblestones and all of that. Yeah. That's the cool thing I love about it because you you can kind of sell people on the experience. I think that's why travelers like Verbo Airbnb because they can stay in a in a home that feels like you can kind of participate in the lifestyle of the location you're visiting. And a hotel sometimes can give you that vibe, but sometimes not as well because a lot of them are this. If it's a chain, you know, it's going to be pretty similar everywhere yeah. you go. So yeah, that's kind of like yeah, that's the kind of travel that I like to do too. Like I'm not a big uh, I don't like necessarily to go on on tourist. Uh, locations and attractions I, I do a couple but i'm just happy to just sit at the cafe and uh, drink drink coffee or wine and watch people than uh, mm-hmm. going in a museum or uh, you know right to visit some ruins yeah uh, yeah we travel well together then my wife is very well traveled and she gave me the travel bug a number of years ago but 
she likes to like really experience the culture and yeah. and like talk to people and stuff like that, which is really fun for us. I really like it. Um, so uh, finally, uh, Michael. So kind of what's uh, what do you see the? Uh, I mean, we have the recessions uh, potentially. You know, ninety percent certain we're going to have a recession. Uh, you went through the pandemic and you survived this. Uh, <laughs> and now, so what do you think is going to happen with the recession? Normally, when people when a recession happens, people are going to cut down. The first thing they're going to cut down is not going to be food. It's going to be a travel budget. So, how do you think mm -hmm. that's going to impact your business? Yeah, I think there should be, there's probably going to be some impact for sure. I think something that we've done and I always recommend to people is people will still travel. They may spend less, but they're still going to pick the best option and place to stay in. So even if prices are suppressed in order to capture that demand, I'm going to get booked and they won't. That's my opinion on how we furnish and set up places, right? And attracting guests. So I think you can kind of set yourself up for success, even in tough markets. And, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with looming recession or how that may impact travel, but I can be certain that it can't be worse than what happened with COVID and, and urban markets. I mean, I would that, was, that was tough. And we were only yeah. cash flow negative two months in 2020. The rest, we were still cash flow positive, wow. even in Nashville. Um, we just had to pivot our pricing strategy, who we were catering towards. So there's always people on the move mm -hmm. um, and people, even in tough times like COVID, I mean, people were itching to travel and that's why there was such a big boom of travel pretty shortly thereafter. Oh, yeah, um, so yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with the market. I honestly don't know. I think it's going to maybe be more market dependent considering real estate prices. I mean, with, yeah. with the way interest rates are going, there's no way that prices can continue to rise at the level that they have been. So uh, as far as like an investment standpoint, you know, I'm, I'm ho holding a little bit more cash than I normally would. And I'm just being a little more opportunistic because mm -hmm. I think in any downturn, there's probably going to be some great opportunities that come about as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm just trying to prepare for, for good opportunities to come about, but yeah, I, I totally agree. I think this is a very good, uh, good summary is that I, I also think that the, the real estate is going to adjust unevenly across the country. Uh, I mean, we're already seeing some price adjustment in, uh, in Austin, in Phoenix and all of that, that were like going like this uh, a few months ago, and now they're going kind of like this. Uh, so I think it's definitely going to be by market, by city. And then if you're a little bit more liquid, I think you can take advantage of some opportunities uh, in, in some markets. So I'm hoping for some opportunities here in Fort Lauderdale, you know. Yeah, Fort Lauderdale was a seller's market, man. It was tough when I was down there. It was funny, I'll tell you, rolling up in a camper van. Yeah. Because we, we were still traveling at that point in time. Rolling up in a camper van to a million dollar property with... <laughs> Mercedes, Tesla, like Lambo, like there's all sorts of crazy they have 50 people there trying to just get a bid in on a property. Here we come in a camper van, like here's our offer, oh you know, <laughs> it's pretty funny. <laughs> now it's more of a buyer's market there, but uh, it's, it was funny. Yeah, it's it's not quite a buyer's market yet, but I think it's sure more so than I, I should say more so than it was maybe yeah, the oh end of 2021, God. you know, with, not you know, good. you couldn't even you wouldn't even get looked at if you, you know, waive all the appraisal and inspections, 50 yeah. grand over, 100 grand over asking, and they wouldn't even entertain it. It's been like that in California for years, you know, like at, at least like 15, 15, 20 years. Man. Just, yeah, crazy. 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 Well, so, uh, Michael, thank you very much. I think yeah, you're a you're real inspiration. I think, yeah, I think you've inspired me, I think, to kind of look more closely at Airbnb. 
one of my biggest problem was to find a real property management company that's going to be uh, that's going to help me manage everything and then market it. And I think uh, you know, with your uh, uh, what is it called again, home team vacation rental, uh, so property management company, I think that that could give me kind of like a, some assistance for uh, for managing the property. So I'd definitely look into that. And of course, uh, if you're getting started, if you're interested, I would definitely check out Airbnb uh, Investor Academy. Uh, that's led by Michael. Michael put a lot of content also on TikTok and I'm assuming also on Instagram, Instagram and other social media. He's very, very transparent about what's happening with his properties. He shares all the numbers. Um, so I would definitely follow Michael on uh, and your uh, your Instagram, your TikTok and Instagram account are a little bit unusual. I didn't expect that. Uh, so, but it's uh, at M Elefante, A E L E F A N T E six. So uh, be very careful because there's also M Elefante six, 68. Oh, yeah. I need that blue check, man. I'm, I'm getting <laughs> murdered online. I probably have hundreds of spam accounts. And the problem is they DM everyone and then everyone gets upset. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't control it. I've been featured in articles online and Instagram still won't verify me. So really? whenever that time, yeah, I've submitted wow. for verification, Business Insider articles, others um, that have written stuff. And Crazy. that's what they ask for is articles to yeah. you know, proof of whatever, you know, status or whatever that is. But I just want it. So there's less confusion and less issues with people. Yeah. So if you look me up, yeah, M. Elefante 6, that's the only one. I'm going to have that on the... Um you know, on, on the show notes as well. So you can, uh, you can find all that information and, uh, you know, Michael, thank you very much. Thank you for sharing your, your knowledge and experience and, uh, you know, for inspiring people to get invested in real estate. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Eric. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Break Away from the Rat Race with your host, Eric Martell. If you want to share your story and experience with our listeners, please message us on Facebook at Break Away from the Rat Race. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast on iTunes.